A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Sam Matterface, and today, myself, Simon, and Danny Murphy discuss Tottenham's exit from the Carabao Cup after Ange Postacoglu made nine changes. Simon responded to Chris Eubank Jr. after he criticised this show following an interview with his dad back in June. We also take a look at Virgil van Dijk's charge by the FA for acting in an improper manner after being sent off. The clampdown on behaviour continues. Plus, Chelsea scrapped subsidised domestic coach travel to away games. A PR disaster from the club, or is it a privilege? and not a right. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Uh, what did you make of nine changes? Was that necessary after all the positivity that Tottenham had had over the last couple of uh, games? So why would you throw away the opportunity or potentially throw away the opportunity of getting through in the Carabao Cup? I am surprised. I think it was a mistake. Um... I think he might have underestimated Fulham or thought they made, would have made a lot of loads of changes as well. I think he's probably found out a few of his players aren't as good as he thought they were. Um, and I think he's made a bit of a boo-boo there. Because um, I'm all for keeping momentum going. I'm all for... He's not in Europe. He's not having to worry about huge congestion in the fixture list. I think he'll wake up this morning and think, should have done it different. Simon, if you have just appointed a new manager, it's all going nice and swimmingly, would you be saying to him, don't rest nine players for the Carabao Cup? No. I'd be saying go and do what you, precisely what you want to do. You're the manager, that's what I put you there for. If I start telling you and start having a dog and barking, what's the point of you in the first place? And then somewhere down the line you'll come back and tell me that I've been interfering in what you're doing. No, look, I mean, I... I, I think that Ange Postacoglu has to make his own mistakes and make the judgment calls that he thinks are right. And in this instance, if he's gone out of the League Cup on a penalty shootout, the margins are small. He may have ascertained more <coughs> valuable information as a result of that than the the idea that the precipitous chance of we've got our Tottenham back might have um, allowed him to think because Tottenham are still very much a work in progress. Three games in which they've been slightly more compelling significantly more compelling than they have been under the last two regimes doesn't mean that the summer is there to be watched it's a swallow we'll see and ultimately I would have liked to have seen them gone through um, because it builds that momentum for Tottenham and creates a different narrative than some of the narrative <clears throat> that reverberates around Tottenham seemingly endlessly but I don't think it's that big a deal I think Tottenham fans the more sensible Tottenham fans the brighter Tottenham fans will understand 
that people are going to make decisions. They're going to have to look at their playing squad. He's got to manage a group of players. He's told you that he's got an inflated squad. So he needs to deflate that squad in terms of the level of people he's got there. And the only way he's going to be able to do that, you can see him in training all day. Daniel will tell you this. Put him in action. They've all got lots to say for themselves. They'll all be telling you that they should be playing. There was their moment. He now knows certain answers to certain questions that he might have had reverberating around his mind. And the consequence of it is they're not in the League Cup. Okay. Yeah, but the Tottenham haven't won a trophy for 15 years. I understand and this is, that. This is their, their best and I, I easiest route that. to winning. And, 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 and absolutely, if they, were playing a non, if they were playing a lower league side, they're playing Fulham. Fulham aren't any mugs. Fulham were a, a decent Premier League side. Fulham were absolutely brilliant last so night, So with that actually. in mind, it's not a given no. that Tottenham should win that game. If Tottenham were and playing, they might not win if, if they're playing, playing, but, they're but, playing Sheffield United in the, in the exactly, cup. Exactly, so why would you change nine players if it's not going to be... A, it's not a nine, given, nine, is it? It's a tough nine, game. Nine's too many. Nine's too many. Because what you're saying is, I'm putting the second team up. And it gives impetus to the other the home side. I, I think nine's too many. I think that's where he made the error. Three or four. Keep your best players. But there so, might there, also there might be an argument to be had. And I know some Tottenham, some Tottenham fans were coming on a breakfast show, show. It shows that we need to go further into the transfer market. I don't think he's that Machiavellian of a manager to make a point to the ownership no, model to turn no. and say, I'm showing you we haven't got enough depth. Right. What because, he said is there's no European football. <clears throat> so how am I going to find out about our players if, if he doesn't play them? Now... Yeah. I hear that because you are right, Simon. Spot on what you said. Training is one thing and playing is another. But by all accounts, some of those players, and you made this point when we were talking, Sam, that some of those players are basically up for transfer and and possibly going to go this week. Which is why I was surprised that some of them were included. Yeah. It's bizarre. I mean, we don't know that, so we're hypothesising. But it does It does seem... He's, he's misread the room a bit, I think. Now, I like him. And I, and I think Tottenham are definitely moving forward. The first three games, I've done them all. I've seen them all. They've been terrific. Really positive. Front foot, high risk, great to watch. Going to be really good for the Tottenham fans this season. And they're going to get better. But when I say misread the room, not really thought about how this particular competition could, competition could be a really, really good route to winning something. Let's hear from him um, because he spoke to us after the game last night. And he was asked, should the Carabao Cup be a priority? Unity yeah, is my priority, mate. But like you said, there's no European football, so how am I going to find out about our players? What opportunity would I have to do that other than a, a game? And uh, they're all Tottenham players. I have, they're all part of our club. So um, we put out, like I said, the week we put out a lineup tonight that you know will hopefully give us energy, and we just weren't able to get over the line. But uh, that doesn't mean that uh, the cup or any game is not a priority for us. But yeah. From my perspective, you know, we're very much at the discovery stage, so I need to find out. We need to give the players the opportunity to contribute because that's why they're here. They're not here just to make up the numbers. So, uh, you know, that's and a lot of them have been working hard at training, and, and uh, you know, we're you know we deserve an opportunity to go out there and play to them. I think some of the Tottenham fans might be disappointed. They made quite a, an effort to get there last night. The whole of the Putney end was sold out what? with Tottenham it's London. Hotspur. <laughs> it's a Tuesday London. night. It was raining. It was tough to get across. These are die-hard Tottenham it's fans. Loaded. There was enough on that pitch to, for them to have gotten a result out of this game. There's enough changes that he could have made, which he did make, to be able to facilitate a solution. OK, they learned something in the League Cup. Go win the FA Cup then. Mm. That's easier said than done, though, isn't it? Easier said than won the League Cup, because Man City are the team that's dominated that particular tournament. So there's no given right to Tottenham to... You know, you probably find you're playing Man City in the final game. Going to win that, are you? Probably not. The thing is, Fulham... You, you could have played your full strength and still lost the game. But Fulham were absolutely terrific last night. Fulham are no mugs. So, yeah, Simon's right. A good side. So, yeah, you've got to put things in perspective. I just think nine changes, when you're playing another Premier League team, you are asking 
for trouble. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Let's uh, take some more calls on Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, speak to Daniel. Daniel, what did you uh, want to say to Simon Jordan and Danny Murphy? Uh, my thoughts on the uh, last night, if, if we had have won the game as a, as a Spurs fan, if we had have won the game, we would have been talking about a different... Uh, different approach this morning saying that he was a great manager we were able to make nine changes and uh, you know we're firing all, sen- all senators even, even the B team um, I just want your thoughts on, the, on that side of things Danny um, yeah you mean results change opinions well that yeah that's yeah. the way of the world I, th- I tend to agree with that but I still think if they'd have won on penalties there, there would have been some question marks around if they, you know decent pundits and analysis would say that they got away with one but I do hear you. I, I think I think in Tot- Tottenham's a bit a bit different than other clubs in the fact that re- their recent history and desperate need for it or want for a trophy. And I think that's why it's being highlighted more. But yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. But they didn't win, did they? So the questions do arise and that's why. That's football, I'm afraid. You know, managers have probably lost jobs based on a penalty miss or a, or a, a striker not scoring and all of a sudden we're talking about, about a job he done rather than him doing a good job and that's just the way of the world. Okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, thank you very much. Oh three seven one seven double two double three double four is the number to call. Uh, let's speak to uh, Dave, who's a uh, Spurs fan in Derbyshire. Hello. Hiya. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Hello. Thank you. Cheers for joining us. No problem. Great show as always. Thank you very much. Thank you. What do you want to say to Danny Murphy and Simon Jordan? Well, I, I just want to say I think we're being a bit harsh here. You know, we've uh, made nine changes. We haven't lost the game. Let's put that in perspective. Mm. Arsenal played. Arsenal played a very similar uh, Fulham side, and and they only managed to get a draw. Yet we're we're slating a man, a new a new manager, not just a manager, a new manager who's a handful of games to see his his team of twenty five plus players, um, and so he's got to he's got to try a little bit of something at some point. So I don't see, and I don't see the problem. Yes, we, we would love to win a cup. Of course, we would love to win a cup. But equally, we've got to give this guy his hand and let him and let him see see what he can do. Because personally, I think I'm very excited about it. I don't think well, we're waiting. No, I think we, we're asking the question: Why would you make nine changes for a game against another Premier League team? Yeah, so he's right. We didn't slate him. What we're talking about is maybe stabbing. I, I said he misread the room a little bit in terms of Tottenham's desire and want for a trophy. But nine changes, I think, is too many for any manager. Irrelevant of Tottenham. I, I just think you're asking for trouble when you might make nine changes. But yeah, I think there's lots of positive stuff. I've, we've eulogised about Ange and his, his first few weeks in the job and what he's got and his characteristics and his warmth and his intelligence many times. And I think Tottenham fans are in for an exciting season. I think we should big up the fact that Fulham played really well aggressively yeah, on the absolutely. front foot, high press, not getting caught in traps early on, making sure they waited before they put the high press on Tottenham Fulham Hotspur yesterday. Side. They're very well drilled, very well organised. They were very well organised against Arsenal at the weekend as well, which is why they came away with a point from that game. Paul's a Spurs fan. Hello. What do you yeah. want to say? Sorry about that. Yeah, um, great show. Um, and really, just what Simon said and uh, about it's a League Cup. It's a time for Ange to see what other players outside of probably 12, 13 players, including the 11, what them players, what they can do going going forward. I mean, I think that he's just found there that there's 11 players that are not going to be good enough to 
you know, to, to play in the Premier League for us this season. So we need a better squad. We've got a few players to come back, Benton Core to come back. So I think it just that that cup has just showed to us that we've got a really thin squad. Yeah, I wonder whether or not um, there, I mean, maybe by accident almost, Ange Postacoglu has shone a light on that to Daniel Levy and the rest of the board with three days left of the transfer window. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Saturday night, Chris Eubank Jr. takes on Liam Smith in the rematch back in Manchester in your fight, in a fight that you can hear uh, right here on TalkSport. Um, ahead of this, Chris Eubank Jr. has been speaking on Gary Neville's Overlap Show, has criticised this programme for a previous interview uh, conducted by Jim and Simon with Chris Eubank Sr. Back in June, you may remember that Chris Eubank Sr. joined the show for an hour. This was the moment that Jim put Simon's previous comments about Jr. being a charlatan to Chris Eubank Sr. Chris, Simon here. I'm going to drop you right in. I know you are, yeah. Called Chris Jr. Well, I'll tell you what. No, talk Let, to me straight. All right, no. Listen, this is this was Simon on you your son. You can't hurt my feelings. No, listen, you can't this was Simon on your son. Yeah. Listen. Chris Eubank Jr., for me, is a charlatan. I, I think he's a great media personality. I think he's one of the best people that talk to the media. He's got himself to being one of the most billable, bankable fighters in British boxing without actually winning anything. The tragedy for Chris Eubank is all that I've been saying along, all along, about noise and houses in Las Vegas and who he's going to fight and when he's going to fight for a world title are superseded by performances in the ring. At the level when we get to the point where you're fighting bona fide fighters that have won world titles, name them. Let's name them, shall we? Billy Joe Saunders, George Groves, Liam Smith. How did it get on for him? He lost them all. He's a charlatan, is he? You know, if in, in the world of honesty, how, how can I disagree with you? You're not talking to a man who's not anybody... I'm not, you can't have friends in boxing. So he's a charlatan, is he? I guess my silence says it all. My silence says it... Truth is truth. And this was Eubank Jr. speaking on Gary Neville's overlap yesterday in response. Being called a charlatan 
it's very mild. You know, I've been, I've been That's called, mild from your father. No, not from my father. And I don't. Uh, from what I saw, he didn't call me that. He no. kind of just, whoever said it, he let yeah. them say it. My father always told me, no publicity is bad publicity. If he had said, oh, my son's great and he's going to do well, no one would say anything. When someone calls me a charlatan and he says silent, that's news. Wow, what's going on here? I haven't spoken to him about it. So you wouldn't get angry with him about that? Say, what the hell are you playing at, Dad? Am I angry about it? I understand emotions. I understand who my father is as a man. He's been through a lot over the last uh, two years. You know, the things that have happened in the family, it's affected him. So I have to take these things in cons into consideration when he's speaking to the media. It's tough dealing with uh, you know, a death in the family. Everyone deals with it in their own way. Some deal with it bad, some deal with it as good as they can. People taking advantage of his um, mental state right now, you know, is, I think it's, it's poor, you know? But these guys, these guys don't care about him. You know, I think it's irresponsible to be putting them on a platform. But people don't have morals these days. People are scumbags, people are looking for any way to just, you know, get a leg up by any means necessary, it doesn't matter who they hurt. I'm not one of those people. That was Chris Eubank Jr. speaking on the overlap to Gary Neville and it came out yesterday. Now, I think it's probably worth pointing out that when the original interview was conducted in this studio, it was an hour long, we had no mm. clue that Chris Eubank Jr. was going to get stuck into Junior. Uh, Chris Eubank Sr. was going to get stuck into Junior the way he did. I think Jim actually started with uh, the words, you must be proud of he what did. he achieved. He and did. Simon, you, yeah. I think, defended Junior for yeah. 20 minutes well, during the that The irony show. of the observation is that the... the Criticism I made of Chris Eubank Jr. about being a charlatan, I said it to Chris Eubank Jr. I said it about Chris Eubank Jr. And then I said it to Chris Eubank Jr. So the 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 clip that was played to him was me saying it about him. But Chris Eubank Jr. had already heard this conversation, so he knows precisely why he was called a charlatan by me, because I qualified it. And in the interview, and I have to say I listened to that interview again over the weekend, ironically, and I think it's a brilliant interview not just because we're involved in it, but because I listened to what Senior said. I listened to the depth of his intelligence. I listened to the observations he was making. And yes, I think some of the things that he was saying were centred in an element of narcissism. And the observations that were made by these hypocrites like Eddie Hearn and Callis Owland about the exploitation of Chris Eubank Senior and his mental condition. First of all, I didn't even know he was coming in. Second of all, the interview was set up to discuss everything about Chris Eubank Senior, and we were gobsmacked that he decided to take it off on a personal slant because he feels so strongly about the direction of travel that his son's going on. And in the interview, I spent about 50% of the time trying to get Chris Eubank Senior to talk about himself or defending Chris Eubank Jr. to the point saying, this is your son, he's his own man, he should be able to go in his own direction. But I actually found the interview, and those that are those that are weaponising it, Gary Neville is using it to create a, a, a good reaction in his interview. Because if you look at that interview, you wouldn't put that question in isolation to Chris Eubank Jr. You know why you're putting it there, because it's going to get a reaction. Oh, and the reaction is, people are scumbags, people are looking for uh, any way to get a leg up by any means necessary. It doesn't matter who they hurt or who's affected. I'm not one of those people. I give credit to my father and my upbringing. I turned out to be a good 
person. I can't stop him from talking to people, but anyone who's just lost a son is so clearly devastated by that that it's irresponsible to be putting them on a platform. What would, would you say and, to and those again, criticisms? I, I, he will know the condition of his father um, and the challenges that that family have had, which can, no one should diminish. But I spent a lot of time talking to Senior during the interview and post the interview. And whilst I'm no clinical psychologist, he said what he meant to say and he imparted the message that he meant, meant to impart because he is obviously furious with the people that are surrounding his son, furious with the advice and the structure that his son have been given, is being given are putting him in jeopardy. And those were the messages he wanted to impart. And those that are seeking to suggest that there was an exploitation mechanism going on, yeah, I didn't like, I didn't think it was necessary that, that we put into the conversation, I have to be honest, um, the allegation about his son being a charlatan. I didn't think it was necessary, and I'm many things, and I'm, and I'm many, many things, but I'm not a clickbait merchant, and I don't need to be. I, I say what I mean, and I mean what I say, and I live and die by the strength and weaknesses of my own arguments. And so from my point of view, I can understand why that would be something that people think is triggering. But the irony of it is, is that conversation had been had between me and Chris Eubank Jr., I'd already said it to him, and so what Jim and I'd asked him was, how does that make you react to the observations? And he expected a robust defence of his son. We couldn't price in the fact that at this moment in time, Senior is appalled by what's going on around his son. And to some extent, if you listen to that interview, which I did again on, on, on the weekend, first of all, the deep-seated intelligence of Senior came through, the articulate nature of this man's thinking, but also the inherent understanding of the boxing world and what he feels is wrong. And what we're seeing in boxing at this moment in time with drug tests being failed left, right and centre and people having motivations and agendas that don't seem to be for the world being in a sport, I make him right. And I'm sorry... That Junior, in an interview, gets put to those questions by a motivated Gary Neville to get a better outcome, but that's not reflective in any shape or form of a brilliant interview G that G Jim Gary, conducted. Gary's, Gary's not putting uh, words in his mouth, though. He's speaking he's not, from he's his own perspective. No, he's not using... I don't blame him, because he's got a broadcast, and it's all about content. But he's not using he's not using the nuance and context of the interview. He's taken an isolated second set of circumstances, not being privy to what they are, parachuting on the back of a load of nonsense from a load of self-serving people that are using Chris Eubank Sr.'s malaises as an excuse for the truth that he is saying in his interviews. Well, interestingly, is there another aspect to all this? And that is the fact that when it comes to, to the boxing fraternity, actually they've become a lot of them, especially the high-profile ones, rather sensitive. And I actually wonder whether or not, and you've had this with um, Nigel Benn as well, uh, yeah, I think. Derek Tizora. And Derek Tizora as yeah. well. Um, I wonder whether or not actually... And Tyson Fury. Uh, uh, whether or not they are as sensitive as it seems to be coming across, or whether or not they quite like the fact that there's talkability in this and creating a little bit of a, a controversy, creating a bit of a contraton, actually both. gives them a bit more publicity. Both. I think people like Eddie Hearn quite like that side of things and are quite happy to thrive in that sort of constant confrontation environment and appearing to be triggered by circumstances all the time. I think the fighters are genuinely institutionalised. They come from a machismo background and any form of criticism, mm. they don't like. Mm. The irony is a, per uh, uh, a charlatan is a person who pretends to have skills and knowledge do not have. I mean, it's hardly the worst criticism. But he said that himself. And he did, but people miss it. He did say, he did say it's quite mild. Yeah. It but, is quite mild. But it's also, it's not something, I'm not one of these people, I'm many things, as I've said, I'm not one of these people that are going to say something over there about you, and when it comes on top, I won't say it to you. Mm. And I said it to Chris, so he knows precisely, and if he thinks that is scumbag broadcasting, well, that's 
He's entitled to his view, and I'm entitled to the view that I know what was in this studio. I know how fiercely intelligent and how fiercely balanced um, Eubank Senior was, and the people that are trying to discredit that are doing it for a reason, because they don't like what he's saying. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Virgil van Dijk won't be as busy this weekend as he was last weekend. He's been charged by the FA for acting in an improper manner after being sent off in Liverpool's win over Newcastle at the weekend. An FA spokesperson said, uh, Virgil van Dijk has been charged with a breach of rule, FA rule uh, E3.1, following Liverpool's Premier League game against Newcastle United on Sunday. It's alleged the defender uh, acted in an improper manner and or used abusive and or insulting words towards a match official after being sent off in the 29th minute of the game. Virgil van Dijk has until Friday the September the 1st to provide a response to this charge. They had to do this, Danny, didn't they? Bearing in mind the charter that everybody signed prior to the start of the season. Yeah, inevitable. Inevitable. Um, I spoke about it on Monday. I think there's there's an example that they're going to have to set, of course, um, especially with this high bar they're talking about on cutting down on this petulance and I think time wasting and stuff like that's a little bit different than this, but I think we do have to be careful because we were talking earlier, weren't we? And I, I think you, you know, you brought up a good point that I was talking about Monday night actually regarding the the emotional aspect of football and the passion and how you contain that. I mean, I I remember getting sent off a couple of times and one time particularly having a good good old go at the ref. And next time I saw him, I apologised. He laughed. We shook hands and we cracked on in the next game with a bit of banter. Which is absolutely and, and fine, because one of the, the thing that I was saying to you was is that we as supporters, we all want our players to show passion. Of we, course. We champion. One of the great beauties of the Premier League is that we all our players <clears throat> play with passion. And if you try to sort of try and say we need that but yeah well, don't do that bit don't be upset when you get sent off mm. that's not going to work and at some stages it's going to spill over yeah. the issue here is is that it's spilled over on too many occasions now well, and they're it. trying to contain uh, it this is it whatever is going on now with this correction has been brought about we're not in the space where we had this tirade of abuse levied at referees and as we did in the late 90s mm. early 2000s with Manchester United players haranguing referees up the pitch and down the pitch. But we are in a space now where there is a balance of power in the game about who has got the authority on the pitch. And I've written an article tomorrow about referees needing to re-engage there. It's one thing showing passion. It's another thing Liverpool captain turning around to the uh, referee and telling him he's an effing joke. It's another thing him walking off the pitch and a fourth official, for whatever reason, best possessed him, wanting to shake his hand and telling him, don't touch me. Right? These are the sort of attitudes that you don't necessarily need to see from leaders of, on football pitches or football players passing it off as passion. That's not passion, that's disrespect. There's a difference. And I'm all for wanting my players to be able to get involved, not to take things lightly, not to be happy when they're substituted, not to be delighted when there's a penalty awarded against them. But I there is also a balance between that and the culture of players which has crept in that you saw with Andy Robertson last year, that you saw with Bruno Fernandes, that you've seen crept in the game. Mm. And I think the referees are absolutely I think they've got to up their game but I think they've absolutely right to go that's it line's been drawn now yeah, what's the appropriate punishment here and does it send a message well, it, what's, the, what's the punishment it will which send turns a around to everybody else and says, give, don't I do it I think they'll give him one more game so he'll be banned for two yeah I think so I think anything more than that would be really harsh but do you think there's a difference side because you mentioned a sentence there and I know physical intimidation or a point in the face or a, there, there's things you when I played, and I, I don't want to live in the dark, uh, the past, sorry, but let's say dark ages then, the past, but I, there was something 
more healthy about the relationship I felt we had with referees then, where although sometimes it crossed the line, you could let some emotion go and vent, and they'd, they'd manage you. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Let's talk about the uh, the situation at uh, Chelsea. And last night, the Chelsea supporters' trust weren't too happy because Chelsea have revealed that they're going to scrap subsidiary uh, subsidiary. I keep saying it subsidy coaching subsidised uh, subsidised coaching uh, for travel uh, for domestic away games. A PR disaster from the club, or is travelling to away games a privilege and not a right? What are they? A registered charity now? Who? The owners of Chelsea. No. Their, their contribution is to buy players and to build the business and the fans' contribution is to support it and to pay their part on it. Well, they have been play, paying for uh, travel, helping to pay for Good travel for up until so th- th- this th- th- point. Th- but th- withdrawing th- it, why would th- you do that? Thank them for what they've done and then reassert yourself back into the place that you were before. It's not a great look, though. If you, you spent a billion pounds on transfers, but we can't... They're two uh, different things. Why? Because ultimately, one is about advancing the business, the other is about support a contribution to the football club that they purport to own in spirit. So they'll only, they'll only go to travel if it's subsidised. No, I don't... Listen, I can understand the argument, because if you've spent a billion pounds on players, but that's a completely different argument. It costs a is quarter it, of a million pounds to do it for a whole season I understand for men that. and so, women. So it's not great, that much, In the great scheme of things... You, I don't know why they'd bother with it. They've made a rod for their own back by doing it in the first place. So with that in mind, why don't they carry on with it? But let's, let's look at the moral argument. Why is it their responsibility? Tell you what, give them the bloody travel for free. No, 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 no. Let's go a bit further. Give them the tickets for free. No, that's not enough. Give them the merchandise for free. What, which point do you, you accept that football has a, a responsibility for owners to develop the ambitions of the football club and pay for all these ridiculous, preposterous amounts of money on footballers? But the fans also are paying for something and they're getting something back in return. The fans- it does look ridiculously bad. Yeah, and, and the fans it, make a massive it, it, contribution away from home, and actually one of the things we should be protecting is getting as many away fans into the ground as taking possible. Taking it away is a, a bad look. Atmosphere. It's a bad look, because of especially where people well, are... Then why just... give it in the first place? So the, so the problem is is that you t- you're now, never there, you're now in perpetuity, many... right? So yeah. ultimately, you've now committed... I, I know it, what I'm sounding like sounds like a mean-spirited curmudgeon of an owner. He does a bit. It, I understand that, but I also don't understand the logic of giving it to them in the first place. Because they weren't entitled to it. They want to support their team away from home. So we have to listen dawn till dusk about how committed fans are to their football club. And you guys that own it are only there as custodians. And your job is to empty your pockets, get on with our listening to what we bitch and moan about, and to depart out of the door without any money left. That's a sweeping it, statement about supporters. Isn't it? But what well, I'm saying is, anyway, come on. Milk while they what, did what, it. What's the, the subsidy? Here? It. 10 quid. It's 20 quid, I think. Is it 20 quid that um, they, they pay 20 quid for the. Ten, ten pound subs, apparently. Yeah. Right, like I said, ten quid. Right. So we're talking. So we're talking about ten quid, and we're seriously saying. On one hand, I think it's small-minded of of um, uh, Chelsea's ownership to take it away now they've given it. Mm. But I also think it's slightly mealy-mouthed to expect it as a th- as a going as an ongoing situation. So which because it's not their gift. You, well, is it because well, the club have said? The argument. Is yeah. it because the club have said it's not financially sustainable to continue to offer offer subsidised coach travel? Well, spending money on players to advance achievements is one thing. Giving away charity is another. Yeah, but they they can cross over. They can. Co- I mean, you you're talking about ridiculous, nonsensical amounts of money on on certain every bits. single you, department in a football club. Will have, will have a budget. 
right? And every single department head will be told what their budgets are. Mm. And so from that point of view, they will be looking at the... You've got the football operation, and often the football operation has a budget and then it gets completely ignored because you have to adapt to the circumstances. But every other department, whether it's F&B, food and banqueting, whether it's merchandise, whether it's ticketing and events, all have cost controls in place. Absolutely. So they're separating it differently, and they're saying, well, I'll tell you what, we accept... It's the wild, wild west over here, right? And whatever budgets we think we've got in place. Well, who's the head gonna... of PR? Because PR should be going, well, go. should be going over to whoever's in charge of the whole shabam and going. Well, this same... is a, this is a catastrophe. Because the, yeah. the PR budget for it might well be more than a quarter and of a actually, million pounds. Let's take the let's take let's find a quarter of a million off one of the staff members you've got who's in the recruitment. But let's not give it to them in the first place. But that's too late, isn't it? It's done. Well, I, I agree with that. But people are going to turn around and they're going to say oh, typical perspective. But everything. It's not just the guy that owns the bleeding football club's job to support the thing that you guys as fans say you own I used to sit there in, in fans forums going right um, spend more money whose money my money okay fine I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll spend more money and I'll put your season ticket prices but Chelsea up. haven't got a problem spending money Chelsea's spending money for fun so all they're fine. asking so, is so finding happy. some so of that be, money into, so, into the fans so, and the supporters so, trust subsidise them and at which point where does that it. stop them well it's where stopping does, where now does, with the coaches where does, but where does subsidies stop well, it's right. just—it's only so for the coaches. They're not but, asking for anything else. Okay, but the bottom line is—is is there's a cost implication behind coaches. I understand it's small beer, and in the great scheme of things, go to I the would, players. Would, Someone from PR get a message but to you know the what, players. Do you know what burns my ass is the sense of entitlement. You're not entitled to it. If they've given it to you, the gratitude for having been given it for a year should supersede the sense of entitlement that you're now entitled. Yeah, but you're living to it. in cuckoo land. But you're in, so you're entitled to it in perpetuity. No, but you're you're but living in cuckoo that... land if you expect people to have that some sort of logical, sensible, and also people are going to get upset, upset if they're used to this. You're going to withdraw it. You would, yeah. We'd if you withdraw it, people are going to react. But you did. You had something because because a year ago, eighteen months ago, we're not going to have any club. There'll be no club. Roman's gone now, and all of a sudden it's going to be melted down. And what we're going to do? We'll do anything to support our club except pay the away travel. I mean, let's have it right. I mean, I, I don't, know, I, I don't, I don't know why they're taking it away, and I can understand why people will say it's small-minded, but I also do not think it's an entitlement. No, but nor and is I'm your, pushing nor, back nor, against the entitlement. Nor is your breakfast being cooked in the morning, your shirts being ironed every morning. What's well, Michelle's expect, job? But you exactly, and you expect it to be done. <laughs> you expect it to be done, and if it's not done, you you'll have you'll throw you. Toys out the pram. Mate, if you, you saw wouldn't what be Michelle, saying thankful for doing it. If you, you, you saw what Michelle you cooked, you wouldn't want to eat it. I'm not on about Michelle, I'm on about the butler. I'm on about what? the butler. If you, Michelle does absolutely nothing in the house, so I don't have to apologise for anything. It's clearly, <laughs> clear, clearly a pun. Um, okay, let's uh, let's read the text message. Simon, <laughs> Sam and Danny, on your conversation about Chelsea stopping subsidising away travel, just to let you know that since 2013, during our Premier League days, Stoke City have offered free away travel to all supporters and still do it now there in the Championship, go. which them. hopefully now will complete revamp of the backroom and staff and now exciting players will see Stoke soon compete in the Premier League once more. I doubt it. Are they a registered charity, Stoke? I don't think they are. No. no, they're run by registered people that own a betting company that make more money than God. But that's a different discussion entirely. <laughs> each to their own. I understand the argument on both sides. Broken of it. Here, I, I understand the each side. I understand if you've given it to them for two hundred and fifty grand a year, why would you take it away? I also advance the notion that there is not an entitlement to it. I did have an idea when we were discussing this a little bit earlier on that I think away fans, because they're so important, I think, to the fabric of English football, I think one of the things that makes it the, the Premier yeah. League itself really does. attractive across does, yeah. uh, the world is the fact that you've got that sort of rivalry, like that tribalistic... Yeah, so would I. Um, I think that we, we did this thing with 20s plenty. I know that was that campaign, but they're, they're, the cost of tickets are restricted to £30 now uh, of, yeah. uh, the, in the Premier League away they from are. home. Yeah. Um, I think you should pay a set fee... I think there could be a, a scheme where you pay a set fee 
you get your ticket and travel for Do 40 you, quid. Sam. That'd be good, wouldn't it? That'd be good. In the Premier League, there's whatever supporters funds you are. We're in are. the presence of genius and we don't know it. Yeah, well, that, no one's great. ever had that idea before. Oh. Well, why has no one implemented it then? Well, how do you know that they haven't? No, I'm saying across the board that should be the case. So we make sure that we get these away uh, ends filled every single week. You can't do it across the board. Why not? Because clubs have different budgets, don't yeah, they? But, but maybe it own. should be funded yes. by a central and, fund. And it, What? Why what can't it be central fund? fund? I don't know. I don't know. The I don't know what he's talking about. Football Supporters Association could all collect the money. There could be a grant to them every single year. Given by... Well, it could be donated by the clubs. The clubs could have a certain percentage of their income that has to go into an away supporters fund. That's how they did the subsidised ticket in the first place. I, I think clubs are going to have something to say about that because what you want to be doing is benefiting your own supporters, not others. If you're one of the... Well, they all join the same scheme for the away tickets um, subsidy. I'm just extending it to the travel as well. You don't mean the wasted tickets, you mean the central pricing. Central pricing, yeah. yeah. Well, that was an initiative that was put to the Premier League en masse, not based upon individual uh, clubs having different fan bases. I'm not not saying that. I'm saying that we could put it to them en masse. I'm saying that everyone should pay the same price so that everyone has access to to a way. But then then you've got different lengths of journeys. You've got Mm -hmm. different amounts of support bases. You've got different attendances at different grounds. Whatever are you babbling about? Who cares about that? Oh, that's just detail, is it? It's just just mere detail. Why let details get in the way of a good idea? (laughs) All clubs do the same journeys over the course of the season. Do you think football commentators should be compensated to go to games and have subsidy and fuel (laughs) subsidies and God knows what else? We get paid to go to games, don't we? Well... And that's not the point, is it? You're there adding value to it. So is it also, without you and the value that you give to a football uh, um, football match, there would be less value in it. So there should be subsidies for you guys as well, so oh. we can listen to your babbling drivel more oh, readily. Oh three seven one seven double two double three double four. Simon doesn't think that fans should be uh, helped out in any way. I think they should be charged form. more. I think I, I think they should be subsidised and they should be supported in order to make sure that they can lend their hand to the, the, the club by supporting their team away from home. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.